0: Westfall and this is the FAI Weekly Podcast. One of the digital backbones of small and middle market businesses throughout the U.S. is Oracle's NetSuite, offering finance and accounting teams a variety of tools that oversee everything from payroll to inventory. Last week, NetSuite announced a new initiative that incorporates artificial intelligence into its products. Promising a similar paradigm shift for users that it delivered over a decade ago, when the software made the jump to the cloud. In this episode of the podcast, my colleague Boyana Maris interviews Netsuite's Tom Kelly and Paul Farrell about the new AI initiative and how small and middle market business finance teams are adapting to this rapid technological change. Just to note, these conversations took place at Netsuite's user conference. And the first interview you will hear is from Paul Farrell, followed by Tom Kelly.
1: Um, So my first question is, AI is a fairly broad category of technology practices and how is NetSuite specifically planning on introducing AI into its workflow?
2: So doing you know, it across a, a number of different levels, and and we've been doing it for a number of years now. So there are products that we have out there now, like supply chain control tower that uses machine learning to uh, calculate predictive risks, so where supply chain is going to be disruptive, and then it prescribes actions to, to solve them. Intelligent product recommendations, which again looks at patterns and other things and how products can be sold, learns from that, and also gives, the ability to tune it if you want to push particular areas. So we've been doing that um, uh, within our product for quite some time and most of what we develop, we look at how we can use machine learning to provide better insights or to um, uh, provide uh, better automation. But some of the, the way it's sort of evolving now, though, is certainly, and we announced in the conference, using gen uh, generative AI services. And you know, the first part of that is using um, uh, the text enhance function. And what's nice about that is so much business is done through unstructured data, correspondence, and other things. And using the text enhance feature will will allow companies to produce consistent, uh, professional. Uh, correspondence or documentation so internal documentation might be things like item descriptions purchasing descriptions that type of thing and then correspondence where you're you know you're running collections or you're corresponding with your customers and it will provide far better framework around that and then not only that uh, it, it provides a, more information that the AI services can learn better from because the data is already structured. So we're, we're introducing technologies like that and we're also introducing it um, gradually as well in things like business intelligence where the system will, uh, you know, learn about your data and provide those models where you can say, here's a data set where I know the known results so you can get a proper learn model and it will then help drive better insights across other data that you have. And it will provide the visualizations that are going to uh, allow that data to make more sense to you, where you haven't thought about those in the past, uh, and also in in with. We just introduced intelligent insights in our, our planning and uh, planning and modelling system, where it'll look at how the plan has been executed and look for any anomalies and again push them back to you with prescribed automations. So there's a number of things in the way we're introducing that we're that we're involving it. A lot of it traditionally is AI, machine learning, but we've introduced you know the new gen I, uh, generative AI services, which uh, again will probably be the more revolutionary ones in the future.
1: Mm-hmm. The intelligence um, insights is mm-hmm. actually very cool. I haven't heard that mentioned before today. Could you tell me a little bit more about that?
2: Yeah, so if you think of your business plan uh, or your forecast or whatever else, you're going to go and say, uh, you know, we're going to sell this much or we're going we're to start this campaign or we're going to hire people or we're going to do all of these things. And as you start executing it, you monitor yourself against that plan, but intelligent insights might say there are two correlations over here. We're seeing, you know, massive, um, uh, you know, massive heat wave in this region in the spring where we were selling this particular product, and and now it looks as though your um, your, your forecast is going to be completely different. And so it'll it'll inform people of correlations and other things they haven't thought about, and then I'll say, you know, what should you do? To uh, what should you do to resolve that? Maybe increase your forecast or reduce your forecast, and then that will drive production or sales or whatever else. So th- that intelligent insights is all through the the, the, the you know the planning engine. It's all about bringing to you that information which you haven't thought about yourself, or those correlations between things you haven't thought about, and then give you advice on how you can best rectify it. So again, I think it's one of those intelligent solutions that people will be able to pick up and use. And understand straight away
1: Mm -hmm. amazing Um, how do you differentiate between simply automating a financial task using machine learning and then utilizing an AI to complete it
2: yeah so I I think in uh, I I think if we look at um, if we look at real simple example so Mm we we recently released bill capture so um, that um, that solution Takes a um, uh, you know scans in a, a bill using uh, optical character recognition etc. and rules and other things to be able to take that and then create uh, an invoice. So uh, as, uh, an AP invoice. So th- there's a there's an automation that uh, is fairly prescribed, and it, th- those type of tools have been around for years. Where it. it you know, it's clever and it automates something, but the intelligent effect is is where it comes in. It says, "Well, I, I don't know where I get this field from." And you say, "Well, in this invoice, in this context, you get the uh, you, you get that field from here, and it maps across to here in Netsuite, and the system remembers that and learns from that. So next time that comes through, that's automated. So that that's that's really a very simple example, but a tangible example of where machine learning is going to ever is. Going Going to increase automation more and more, whereby traditional automation you'd have rules and other things that someone would need to update. Mm-hmm. That would automate that transaction. So machine learning is just going to, uh, as people are doing things, it's going to be increasing the amount of automation that takes
1: place. Definitely makes mm-hmm. it easier. Um, what role do you see human oversight taking of AI in finance? And can you give any examples?
2: Yeah. So I, I think in, I think in lots of things we do. People uh, people trust uh, the results, and uh, after once they trust the results, they're more than uh, happy to just push the button and do it. And we just look at financial statements and other things. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you get the people that have the very quick close. It's because they trust all the information's in there, and they can go and push a button. But even even today, with what, what financial, when I've been in this uh, industry for oh, almost thirty five years, and finance has been automated all the way back since then. But one of the big tools that we sell a lot of is NetSuite account reconciliation. And it's still a set of tools that make sure that what the GL says is actually uh, audited back to all those source transactions. So people want to trust that it's right. Now the, the NetSuite account reconciliation automates so much of that so people don't have to spend weeks doing it. They can do it in minutes and do that reconciliation. So again with uh, uh with intelligence it's not just a case of um uh, trusting what's there people need to understand how it's made the decision and they need to be able to influence that, and we talked about that yesterday and today mm-hmm. with uh, with uh, certainly in the gen AI, AI services, uh, how how people can uh, uh, trust the results, understand the results, and influence those results as well. So it's vital for any intelligence that people are going to uh, that people do that. And then as as certain areas get. Um, uh, get rolled out or people under, uh, trust those results, they're more likely to trust the next iteration of what machine learning does. But like uh, you know, account reconciliation and, my, and auditing uh, uh, numbers, people still need tools that will be able to do that. They're just gonna to wanna to put it in a black box and say, yeah, it's come out with X, Y, and Z, because then they're, they're far less likely to trust it. But when they see that, that known result and they understand it and they understand what it's got there, then I think people will.
1: Mm-hmm. Agreed. I've heard some great feedback from the roundtable of some companies that are using that um, AI services, and it seems to be <laughs> something that's working really well for them. Yeah. Um, given that AI promises greater productivity and efficiency in finance, mm-hmm. why aren't SMBs seeing the resulting decrease in cost? Well,
2: I think there's I think there's two things, and I'm, I'm a sort of old-fashioned supply chain guy from years ago, and. Um, lean manufacturing or the Toyota production system mm-hmm. is 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 all about the focus of where you add value and trying to automate and decrease any anything that adds no value and and the Toyota production system originally in lean manufacturing was uh, a lot of it hadn't Much to do with technology at all. It was all about, you know, if you move this machine closer to that one, then you're going to reduce the time that inventory sits around doing nothing by, you know, by 10%. So the the reason I say that is because uh, it's not just a technology thing. People need to really understand where. The valueless processes are, and you know, focus on automating them. And, and they say that costs are still going up, and, and they are, but there's a lot of stuff that's automated now that people just take for granted. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that wasn't 30 years ago, or 20 years ago, or 10 years ago. I mean, you just think of the diagnostic analytics drilling down and around to try and uh, find out it. issues, how much easier and how much smoother that is getting information out, manipulating it, how much easier it is. But at the same time of adding technology, you've got to focus on, on making sure that you're adding value the entire time. You just look at airlines. And when that plane's sitting down and uh, people are getting off the plane and it's not in the air, it's not making money. It's all about keeping, uh, keeping a- every single minute you do is value-add. Now, most companies aren't there, but uh, again, I think it needs to go hand in hand. Okay,
3: mm-hmm.
1: last question. Um, how do you overcome the questions regarding the security of AI?
2: Yeah, so I I think, um, unfortunately, I think in the industry, a lot of people are talking about AI of how it's gonna change the world and how it's going to, you know, it's gonna replace everyone and it's gonna make all the decisions for you. So, you know, you type in, go and run my business, make my business better and it just goes and does it. So I think people are worried at that level. But the reality of it is, is a lot of AI is going to be very simple and and the example I always give is you know second form authentication on your cell phone when you it it asks you for the code it text messages you the code but when you're in the phone the phone goes to text message and it brings that code through so that's a very simple but you know nice intelligent feature that people understand and trust and they use And it's not changing the world, but it's making their life better and it's automating things. I think the other thing that I think people forget about with intelligence more so that how AI is gonna completely transform all their businesses is the fundamental things of ensuring that they're securely managing their data. And I just don't mean, I just don't mean making sure no one can go in and query their data and steal their data that way but they're not they're not proactively giving away their secret source and you know and what I mean by that is they don't open up an amazon channel and um, uh, to sell their products, and then they let Amazon understand who their customers are, how they sell, how they price, how they discount, all of those things, so they can pick up and use that data. So no one's stealing any data, there's no security issue, but the security issue is about uh, allowing uh, other people to understand how your business works. And I think that's the first phase that people need to properly understand, uh, is, uh, is securing all of that. And that people truly uh, believe, you know, understand that. Uh, data is as much of an asset as the machine on the shop floor, the building that you operate in, et cetera. And I think that's vital. But then I think the, I think intelligence, the security of intelligence and other things are things that will evolve over time and they'll naturally take those steps as they move forward. But I think fundamentally, I still think many companies are not properly securing their business processes so that other people can steal it and they're properly thinking about their data as an asset that they need to protect as well. And not sure. Right. And service and all of those other types of things. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. Any last uh, statements, remarks you'd like to make about AI or Netsuite?
2: No, I, I just I just think with 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 Netsuite, I, I think as a as a business partner providing the solution that's going to help customers run their business, our approach to AI, both at the functional level, the technical level, and the underlying. Infrastructure level, I think, is unique how we provide all of them as been part of Oracle. That's going to help them, help them on the small steps of using intelligence today and certainly support them on the massive steps that intelligence is going to provide them in the future as well.
4: Since 1931, Financial Executives International has been the leading advocate for the views of corporate financial management. Its more than 10,000 members hold policy-making positions as chief financial officers, chief accounting officers, controllers and treasurers at companies from every major industry. And FEI enhances its members' professional development through peer networking, career management services, conferences, research and publications. Join FEI today to network with key influencers, understand emerging issues, advocate for corporate finance, and boost your career opportunities. Both individual and corporate membership options are available. Go to www.financialexecutives.org and click on Become a Member, or look for the link in this episode's show notes. So
1: first question is, there has been a great deal of economic uncertainty over the past year with rising interest rates and the threat of recession. How do you see small and medium-sized businesses reacting to these changes in their approach to using NetSuite?
3: Um, so i just say from personal experience, I haven't, my clients, and I'm on a board at a few of these small companies, and I'm actually seeing just the opposite, where they can't find enough talent. It is really, you know, that's a dilemma they have. Secondarily, one of the uh, companies I'm on the board with just implemented NetSuite. And anytime you implement a new system, right, there's kind of this, whoa, you know, this is horrible, it's the worst thing in the world. Well, that took 30 days the next 30 days was, oh my God, this thing is great, to now they're like, this is amazing, we're doing all this extra work. So what I see with our clients is, um, even the new ones who are like, why should I do this, and the ones that have been on it forever, they're actually starting to buy more, like our numbers are starting to show that and play that out. So, I mean, yes, that is a possibility. Um, but What I'm personally experiencing is somewhat of the opposite. Now, if that does happen, because I've unfortunately been in those situations, you can make cuts. And you can technically do more with the system. So the other thing that I think organizations have going for them is they probably can be, you know, I, you know, I, I mean it is kind of reactive, but you know, proactive in a sense because as they make some of the cuts, they can realize that they can maybe change a role, have somebody do a little bit more, and still be able to quote unquote run the business, but do it with less heads. So
1: it's really interesting. And um, in terms of the pandemic in what ways has the shift to remote work um, altered their approach to using NetSuite?
3: <laughs> um, so I, di- I remember this back in 2020, there was, uh, I'm, I'm from New York originally, I live in Minnesota now, so uh, um, I know I'm bigger, but I, I see a whole team of psychiatrists and take a whole bunch of medications and I'm starting to acclimate to Midwest. <laughs> but in any event, there was a company, one of our clients, and they, they were a, they are a company that does, they sell uh, products if you're gonna have your own beehives and make your own honey and the the CFO there I was talking to her and they're actually up kind of in northern Minnesota near like Brainerd kind of the middle of the state and she was saying it's a family-run company and you know it was the mindset of you're in the office you're working you know that's how it goes but it was very interesting here talk about how they okay they had NetSuite they were starting to leverage it remotely and then so that was we're doing that I remember we did that webinar maybe towards the end of 2020 and subsequently the one a year later I was talking to her and she's oh yeah my god it's we're a hybrid workforce now the owners are cool with it we're hitting them you know so it's it's kind of like anything in life you know once you get used to it it's like hey this is not such a bad thing and um, other people have said to me um, what was the other person friend of mine was saying." they were uh, they were actually more productive during the pandemic working from home you you know you can read all the stuff but it was interesting she said when we started talking about it with the vice president and director of the division the comment was so you're going to bring us back to work so we can be less productive and they were like uh so they they didn't so you know you can find stories both ways i think it's important to have face to face and and and, you know that's important but uh, to a large extent i think a lot of organizations are able to do this and if you you know, I don't know, go back 20 years or wherever where you needed a VPN and you know you had to have somebody come and install stuff in your house where now, right, all I need is a high-speed internet plug-in, I'm ready to go, and you have security. A lot of those barriers have kind of dropped down, so now it's more a matter of companies getting comfortable with it, and while I don't like to say we do this, NetSuite has a great audit trail, so I know who logged in, what they did, when they did it, you know. You're going to know why people are being efficient, and you're going to know if they're not being efficient, so. Yeah.
1: Um, and the next question is What are the top three updates and changes coming to NetSuite that you think will have the greatest impact
3: for users? Ah, well, one near and dear to my heart is EPM. Mm-hmm. So we came out with NetSuite Planning and Budgeting, which is part of the Oracle EPM product. Um, I've really pushed for account reconciliation, and now we're bringing every other EPM offering. So whether it's account reconciliation or planning, narrative reporting, so if you're gonna do internal reporting or you're a public company and have to do XBRL uh, programming language to your uh, documents that you're gonna send to the SEC, cost and profitability capabilities, uh, tax management. we It's uh, kind of funny, there's actually a very large NetSuite customer that uses that as part of the EPM. But now what we're gonna do for them is we're gonna have that all integrated. So they're, they're like, this is great. Now we're gonna get the best of both worlds. So I'm very excited about that because it's really gonna help the office of the CFO do a lot more with a lot less, quite frankly. Um, so that's number one. Um, there was something else that was been talked about here. I'm trying to remember what it is. It's, it's like an A something. Do you know what that is, Dallas? A, AI, is that what they're calling it? A, AI. Oh, AI, yes, yeah. AI, I'm kidding, so. Um, <laughs> but, the, I mean, the AI, you know, the AI, I sound like President Bush, the Google. Um, from an AI standpoint, there is there are things that we have in the system today that do that, machine learning, if you will, but I think the ability to, to start doing more of the um, compliance work, more of the mundane work, hopefully, as it particularly pertains to accounting and finance, Hopefully, more, more of that stuff's going to go away faster, perhaps, than ever before. And that can kind of go into, um, you know, the big thing in accounting is you're closing the books, you know, and I do a presentation and I, the average, if, if I'm right with my numbers, 3.4 billion times a year, the books are being closed on the face of this earth. And frankly, there's been not really marked improvement about how you handle that process. So AI, I think, will really help, you know, expedite that to a large degree. Um, So that's two, I guess the third thing, what's the third thing I'm most excited about? Um, um, This is probably more a nit for me because I've come from this market, but field uh, force management, field service management, and the company we just acquired to bring that functionality to our target market. I, many clients I've been at are like, why don't you have this? And we have good partners, but we, we acquired one now. And I think Evan talked about it. So I think that, Yeah, those three things are probably the things I'm most excited about. Um, And then, of course, you know, U2 is going to be performing at the Sweet World concert tonight, so I'm really excited for that. You're going to go to that and see U2. Uh, Unfortunately,
1: no, I have to catch a red eye. Oh, but
3: (laughs) But Dallas, you're going to go see U. Is it U2 or oh (laughs) one? It's (laughs) one. I always get those two mixed up. But okay, so yeah. Super
1: quickly on the topic of AI, I was in the planning and budgeting um, roundtable earlier, and I heard really great feedback about. some NetSuite users but they were mentioning how they'd like to have more insight into how the AI works is that something you anticipate being part of NetSuite in the future or something that you think will just have to come out more through research
3: when you say how what do you mean by how it works what do you mean specifically
1: um I believe they were talking about for how sometimes when they work with carriers there's a lot of more manual data that they have to input but sometimes um the forecasting works really great with some more mundane tasks that is kind of periodical, Mm -hmm. Um, and they were just talking about how they would like to know what data exactly that the AI is using to forecast. Well,
3: I mean, I think you're talking about Insights, which is the Mm -hmm. new module we're releasing with planning and budgeting. what it's doing is it's it's looking at the NetSuite database, right? So what's in NetSuite? The good thing about that is I think Evan did articulate in his uh, keynote is that the data is normalized, so it you know you can compare it; it's going to make sense. As opposed, you know, when you bring data in from all different you know systems, you got to kind of go through a cleansing process so that when you match it up, it makes sense. So I think from that standpoint, if you have companies that have a significant level of data. In NetSuite is going to be very helpful, but that does not mean you cannot bring in data from other systems, uh, or you know even statistical accounting within NetSuite, so you can bring that data in. I think the challenge there is a little bit of, you know, you, you can't just bring data in and say analyze it and magic happens. You kind of going back to what you know when you had these third party data warehouse systems, and I'm bringing in this from the retail system and that from the manufacturing system and this from the sales system. You, you have to work at it cleansing the data and say okay now it's ready to do comparative but as far as how it's gonna work I mean that's technically how it's gonna work in a perfect world the customer is using NetSuite to do everything so they don't have to bring in data they can just put insights on top and they can start running information looking at it so I mean I think um, that, that's how it works, in a, in a very kind of tactical way, um, as far as how the system's running its algorithms. Um, at Dallas can answer, that's way above my pay grade. I know magic happens, and I, I have no idea. But.
1: Awesome, just two more questions here. Um, there seems to be a great deal of focus on implementing AI into finance, and how do you convince skeptical S&Bs that AI will actually bring value, rather than just being another bell and whistle that increases cost?
3: So I would say, how how would how have we convinced thirty seven thousand plus customers to use NetSuite? The majority of our business is in you know the small to mid sized business segment, you know fifty percent roughly. So there's something to be said there. And the the adage of of that was, you can do more with less. You could be more insightful, more accurate, you know, more efficient. So we've been able to do that. When you look at AI and how it relates to accounting, right? Because that's what the question is here. Mm-hmm. To me, I think accounting lends itself more aptly to AI than probably any other department because you're talking about comparing something to something, which is I think a much easier, you know, two variable equation two variables in the equation to solve. Whereas when you get into some of these other areas it could be five, six, which makes it much more complicated. It's not to say it can't do that, right? Because as I one of the things I heard about AI is they were talking about some code that was written and they wrote it and they thought it was good and then they sent it into, it was a chat GPT or whatever and it kept making the code better and better and better and better. So, you know, it it can do probably some great things but at the point of accounting, the mundane tasks, I I personally, having been an accountant for many years, uh, they're necessary but they are to some degree can be mind-numbing and it's not to say that there's some people that that's what they enjoy and, and great but I would rather accountants do more to the business, right? Help it grow, whatever. I always go back to uh, Warren Buffett. I mean, he quoted this, it goes way before him, but accounting is a language of business. And when I present to some of the people that are in accounting, oh, we're bean counters, you know? No, I said, you, you know, think about the interpreter at the UN. That person has to interpret whatever, three different languages. The accountant should be the same thing in a business. Who better to interpret the language of business than the accountant to tell people, hey, here's what's going on, here's why it's going on, here's what you should do. And you're not going to allow them to really flex that muscle unless you can take away, I'm tying this, I'm agreeing this, I'm balancing, you know. Yeah. So AI, I think, lends itself to really expediting that aspect as well.
1: Yeah. Last question. Um, there's also a lot of discussion regarding the accounting pipeline and the decline in the number of um, trained accounting and finance professionals. Does that sweet seeing an impact of that on its user base, and how would you address it?
3: So it's interesting, because I'm actually working on a presentation that speaks to this, because I think maybe the last three or six months, there's like five or five to seven articles about how everybody's leaving accounting, nobody wants to go into it in college. I almost think it comes down to, when I, when I talk to accounting folks, I try to say to them, you have to be a marketer. And they're like, what do you mean? And the example I use, in many cases, accounting now has responsibility for HR and payroll. And the joke I say is I was at a 200 person company and we, I ran payroll, came in the next day, and I'm sure all of you experienced this. There were 199 people outside my door saying, what a great job you did to get my paycheck right. No, it was the one person who I shorted one hour, and it wasn't even my mistake. Was standing outside my door, just livid. You know, so the point to be made is, if, if you you know think about that percentage, you know, one out of a uh, two hundred is is the error rate. I'll take that every day. But the point is, is that that's the problem, and that's where really, I think accounting needs to do a much better job. They're they're kind of doing it. The AICPA now has changed the CPA exam to say, number one, you have to be able to do data analytics and not data analytics from the question of, why is revenue up, and the answer, we sold more that, no, that's not what cuts it. And secondarily, they want you to have an appreciation for technology, because I think accountants really need to embrace technology, AI or anything for that matter, because when you look at what can be accomplished with that, and then the position of strength you're in from that, I think is very profound, but I don't think, you know, universities, colleges, I don't think companies do a very good job. Now, what's gonna happen, If I can put on my, you know, look into the future hat, I would tell people that are intelligent enough and you can make sure they're going to go into situations where you're not dealing with the mundane um, that you're going to command a premium in the market because I believe there's something called supply and demand. (laughs) So we're starting, you know, and if accounting is a language of business, who is going to do that? in their absence nobody so you have to have this acumen you have to have this ability so i think it's happening but i almost wonder if it's a matter of hey you know we need to do a better job positioning it you know i many years ago now they're starting it now but the army you know the army it's not just a job it's an adventure you know and their recruitment went up so i think accounting the AICPA uh, and whomever else is in there could probably do a little bit of a better job in terms of why would you want to be an accountant well let me tell you why you know, not because you're gonna tick and tie and audit the uh, you know, nth degree out of something. No, you're gonna add value, interpret what's going on in the business, come up with KPIs, you're gonna you know, you're gonna be part of turning the clothes into a non event. I mean, why why would you wanna work if it was the other way? We're gonna balance accounts and audit everything and be like, I don't wanna do that. I wanna be you know I want me adding value to the company, driving it, making efficiencies, leaving a legacy. That that's what I think the accounting profession needs to do right now. So. Yeah. Any final remarks you'd like to make or statements you'd like to leave us
1: with? Have I said enough? Or, no? <laughs> no, you've all
3: I said, so I'm from New York originally, so I can talk fast. So <laughs> I went to school down south and I'll never forget being in the admissions office. I don't know what I was there for. And the woman across the table from me said, she said, boy, will you just slow down? Because I don't have an idea of a word you're saying. So anyway, I'm trying to, uh, you know, but um, any, la- you know, I've been an accountant for many years, I, I morphed into, I became a CFO, CIO because I looked at technology as an enabler. I had had a conversation with somebody, I think it was 20 years ago, and I told them, I said, you know, I said, technology is an enabler, isn't it? He's like, yeah, it is. And I said, well, then why in the heck do you keep me from getting anything done? It was like, they weren't really allowing you to use it, and you had the... Um, like Nick Burns, you've ever seen this Jimmy Fallon character, Nick Burns, the company computer guy on Saturday Night Live, and the in the song goes, first he's gonna fix your computer and then he's gonna make fun of you, you know, blah, blah. And I ran into that person all over the place where I went. And it quickly came to light when I was looking at the cloud. I didn't have to have this person who could scare the daylights out of me about the code. and the, I had actually companies that had applications that if I could use them, baked into those things were security and compliance and all that. So I'm like, why am I not just doing this? And so now, hence the CPA exam, I really think accountants need to look at themselves as, yeah, you know, we do the language of business, but we are also, you know, we're at the cutting edge of technology. We're going to adopt the right things and for the company to get our job done. I think those two things, in my estimation, that makes a career in accounting extremely compelling.